Hello and welcome to another episode of Coming Home Network Presents, uh, where we have great conversations about all kinds of questions that people wrestle with when they're exploring the Catholic Church and wondering if they should become a part of it. Uh, I'm Matt Swaim, Outreach Manager for the Coming Home Network, and I'm excited every time to talk to a great couple of people uh, and facilitate these conversations. If you're someone who's dealing with the issues like the ones we're talking about today, please do come check us out at chnetwork.org. Come pay us a visit. We have tons of resources uh, there. Um, we also have an online community that you can join for free uh, and have conversations with other people just like you, and that's community.chnetwork.org. And today, uh, we get to tackle a topic. It can be confusing to non-Catholics, and to be honest, a little bit scary uh, for some non-Catholics, and that's the question of the communion of saints. Um, some Protestants believe Catholics are engaging in idol worship when they pray for the help of saints. Some Protestants maybe actually may start to be opening up to this idea, but are kind of freaked out by the actual practice of it. <laughs> so hopefully we get into some of that today. I'm very excited that uh, today's two guests are uh, people who have great stories about the saints and the roles they played in their own journey to the Catholic Church. Uh, Melissa Presser's with us, and if you want to see Melissa's story about um, her background in Judaism and evangelicalism and uh, her whole story, she's been on the journey home, and you can find that episode on our website, along with a written version of her story as well. And of course, we've got Sister Julia Mary Derenkamp from the Daughters of St. Paul, a.k.a. the Media Nuns, and you can find out all kinds of things about uh, them at the Daughters of St. Paul website. Melissa, Sister Julia, thanks for accepting the invitation. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today, Melissa. So, um, you both have fairly awesome stories about the saints, and... We could take up the whole time with that, but I mostly just want to get sort of the snapshot of really the the major factor that they played in your journey to the church, and then we can kind of unpack those stories. Melissa, why don't you go? Because yours, uh, the first time I heard your kind of epic saint story, I like was kind of floored by it. I know you were floored when it happened to you. I wonder if you could just briefly share um, a little bit about how the saints of and, and this one saint in particular uh, was a major factor for you. Yeah, so um, I converted to, well, I would say I had a major St. Paul conversion back in 2013, which is a whole separate story. Um, I always say that I did, had a little detour in the Protestant church that I'm actually very grateful for, um, but I really felt like something was missing. And so at the time, um, I'm a writer, so I was blogging in real time about my faith journey, and I had somebody um, who I had made friends with who also was a faith writer. She was kind of like a fallen away Anglican. Um, and she emailed me and said, you have to read the story about, say, Edith Stein. She reminds me so much of you. Um, and I said, who's that? You know, I really had no idea. What she did was she sent me three book recommendations, um, books I'd never read before. I'm an avid reader, but books I'd never read before. And so I opened the first book um, and I started just crying because... Um, there were two things that really stood out to me. Number one, Edith Stein, who was a Jewish convert to the church. For those of you that don't know, during the time of World War II, um, she had the same birthday as me. And her birthday was during the um, High Holy Holiday of Yom Kippur, which is the holiest holiday on the Jewish calendar, um, which is the, our Day of Atonement. The second thing that really stood out for me was uh, the connection was that my grandmother, whose name was Adelaide, um, was my most closest person in my life. She was my best friend. Um, she was everything to me. And sort of like the second sentence was like, and her grandmother Adelheid. 
um, which is the German name for Adelaide. And I threw the book down. I mean, it was as if the Holy Spirit was reading the book to me. And as I read about her story, it, it was so mirroring um, my journey in a way that was just so unex- you know, just inexplainable. Um, and so she guided me, literally I felt, you know, her presence just guiding me very, very slowly, um, really through the message of the Eucharist. Um, and I was like, what's the Eucharist? Um, and so kind of guiding me there. And, and I truly believe uh, with all my heart that she's the one that led me into the chapel that day um, in a Catholic church, the first time I had ever been there on my knees, praying before the Blessed Sacrament, not knowing what it was. Um, and I know, um, just like I know we're sitting here today and I can see both of you and speak to both of you, um, that she was my guide into the Catholic Church because uh, once I left that chapel after several visits, which you know I entertain in my story on the journey home, um, I heard an audible voice say to me, um, Melissa, it's time to come home. So um, she continues to be my tour guide. Uh, she continues to be a valuable part of my life. And for anybody that doesn't know her, um, you know, her name, also the name that she took is St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, so you may know her in that way. Um, and she is just such an integral part of my story. Yeah, I, I love that story. I'm so glad that you were able to share um, share that. And like I say, in your written story and on the journey home, and both of those are chnetwork.org. And Sister Julia, um, I know, among other things, you write for children, right? And I know that part of that flows out of your experience of the saints when you were a child And they were some of the, that's one of the major factors for you coming into the church too, right? My stories also of the saints starts with, um, with a book. And, um, because I, I grew up in, uh, Pennsylvania, which there's not a whole lot to do back when I was, uh, 13 years old. Uh, we did a lot of reading. I, um, myself and my girlfriend, we were both Protestants. I was a good practicing Protestant and she was not, but we read voraciously and we came across two books the song of bernadette and the penitent which is the story of saint maria goretti and um, we were fascinated that there were people our age that were this heroic and we wanted to find out more about them so we went back looking for more books couldn't find them ended up finding a catholic bookshop in philly that had more of these books and it happened to be the daughters of saint paul believe it or not so we we got a bunch more saint books from them but then we also made the connection because we were church hopping at that time back back in the early 70s none of the churches were locked so right across the street from me was sacred heart church and all these books of saints that we were reading they had stained glass windows of these people in the church so in our little 13-year-old brains, we said, well, all of these people we're reading about, they go to Sacred Heart Church. So let's find out more about that church. And that's what really kind of, um, the, the saints were like the, the hook, you know, into um, into the church to find out more. I said, these people, I want to be like them. And uh, they go to this particular church. So the sisters, um, actually, when we left with our stack of saint books, they gave us a catechism uh, along with the saint books, and they kept in touch with us. So that's that's pretty much how the whole thing started. And I'm still friends with these particular saints today. Yeah. So uh, some pretty epic women saints have entered the chat, right? So we've got Maria Goretti, we've got Teresa Benedict of the Cross, and, and many others. And I have so many questions for both of you um, about kind of how these things played out over time. But I'm wondering, Melissa, because you came from um, a Jewish background, uh, but then you became evangelical, I wonder, was there anything in Judaism that sort of prepared you for kind of an understanding of the communion of saints uniquely? And was there anything in the evangelicalism that sort of like blocked you uh, once you started to discover things about Edith Stein? 
You know, it's, that's an interesting question because, you know, in Judaism, that was part of my journey was not understanding what was on the other side. But I always, you know, Jews have very, um, very succinct and very um, particular death customs. And I was very interested in the, in the way people died and, uh, and burial and what happened after life after death. And so I had this kind of, um, I guess, it wasn't really an imaginary world, but I always thought that, you know, once we passed from this life to the next, that we did have that connection in heaven. And I would um, ask for guidance from relatives, you know, who had passed um, before. And there is this, this strong connection. So I wouldn't necessarily say, I think it was a mix of my curiosity, but also the respect I had for the process of death and dying and the connection I felt to sort of what was on the other side of that, which was part of my journey. Um, interestingly enough, in the evangelical world, you know, because they are, you know, at least my journey, in my particular journey, I felt it to be very anti-Catholic. And that's actually what propelled me into the Catholic Church out of curiosity. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I think ended up propelling me into the saints was that having conversations with Protestants, they said, you cannot have a connection with the dead. Um, it's against biblical teaching. And for me, because of the connection I had with my grandmother that was so strong, um, it really repelled me because I said, well, how could that be? I know that she's in heaven. I have this connection with her. Um, you're telling me I have to cut off this connection. And so it all, almost uh, rebounded in a way. For some Protestants, they may have kind of looked at that and said, um, it's wrong, I'm not going to do it. But for me, I consider myself a rebel. Um, you know, and I said, well, they can't tell me that I can't have a relationship with my grandmother. Um, and so that's actually what propelled me into going forward and looking at St. Edith Stein because she had so many of these same uh, conversations. She was a famous philosopher. She asked a lot of questions. She was so ahead of her time in her teachings on uh, women and, and women and professionalism and philosophy um, in, in really an area where women shouldn't have been asking questions that she was asking. And so because of that parallel universe, having a Jew uh, talk to another Jew, it's almost like you know, we call it having having another member of the tribe, you know, here's somebody else who sort of understands my journey and that connection with death and that connection with what happens after life and looking at the saints um, in the way I looked at my grandmother when I would say, nanny, pray for me, pray for me, be with me. You know, this was just another friend on the other side. And that's what I found in Edith Stein. I found a friend on the other side. How about you, Sister Julia? When you went to Sacred Heart Church and saw that all your friends were up there in the stained glass, did any of your Protestant relatives get to you and be like, hey, now slow down here a second. Um, that is a house of idolatry. <laughs> did anybody get to you yeah, on that? I, or they, um, my, my family, yeah, they, uh, we were fine as long as I could go to any church as long as it wasn't Catholic really, um, any other Protestant church. And I couldn't understand that. But um, I think their their big hesitation was that it, it opened up the door to um, to Mary, to the Blessed Mother. And I think my um, my first friendship with the Saint, Saint Bernadette, was she was the one who really introduced me to the Blessed Mother. And it was like love at first sight. So I wasn't willing to give that up. You know, um, I, I didn't want to go halfway. I said, they've got her in this church. That's the church I'm going to belong to. But yeah, the the saints. I, I agree with you, Melissa. They're um, they're friends on the other side, and and 
uh, the friends that I made with these early saints, St. Bernadette and St. Mary Goretti, when I was the same age as them, have, have stood the test of time, and I'm still friends with these saints. But along the way, you you mature and you grow. And um, I, I just remember, I didn't care for St. Teresa the Little Flower because I thought she wasn't like the early Christian martyrs, you know. But then I entered the convent, and I said I needed a friend like that. So all of a, friend, all of a sudden, we were like fast friends, you know. Um, so uh, uh, as you... As you go through life, you need you need certain supports, and even in, on on like a purely natural level, you have all kinds of supports. You've got your family, your close friends, your siblings. You have teachers, you have mentors, you have people that you respect, but you're not really bosom buddies with them. So you, there's all different levels of friendship, even among the saints. So um, that's what I discovered. You know, I might not be really close to Saint Jerome or Saint Augustine, but you know, I certainly respect them as teachers or whatever. So I think we need to look at the saints in the same way. They're there to help us along our journey, um, just like our family is here. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's so compelling to me, too, is the variety within the communion of saints. Um, you know, for someone who doesn't know anything about the saints, you can look and be like, you know, here's a rack of holy cards and all these people who are, you know, cookie cutter people, right? And I think G.K. Chesterton says something about um, how all sinners are like shockingly boring and similar, right? The saints are like these, like, like light goes through a prism, right? And shoots out and each one comes out in a different radiant color. Like sinners are not, I mean, whenever I fall into sin, I don't have any creative ideas, right? I don't have any, like, I'm sure that like priests who hear confessions on a regular basis are like, well, never heard that one before. Like they're never, that's probably never the case, right? Uh, but when you see sanctity coming out of somebody, it comes out in some like brilliant and creative um, and holy and joyful way. And and that's what I think is so compelling to me about the communion of saints. And of course, you've got the you got the stories, um, you've got the quotes, right? Uh, and when it comes to a saint, you can say, you know, here's what they said. Here's what they taught. I find that interesting. It's that connection, though, that can be a little scary for people. Um it can be, you know, like I say, for a lot of the people we work with at the Coming Home Network who are coming into the church, they've read what the catechism teaches about the communion of saints. They've, you know, called up Catholic answers or whatever. They've Googled, like, you know, why does the church teach this? They've seen how it can be possibly provable from Scripture. But then there's the the actual act of where someone actually has to say a Hail Mary out loud, <laughs> right? Or they, uh, you know, want to ask for the help of a saint on a particular day. Uh, was that weird for either of you? I'll start with you, Melissa, when you actually started to, I mean, because you had this experience, of course, with your grandmother, but like, after you'd read Edith Stein's biography, like, if I read a biography of George Washington, I don't start talking to George afterwards. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, I don't know. For me, it was like, a million stars shooting in the sky. It was like this truth that was just sort of, I don't know, I'm sort of a rebel, and I think there's a lot of people out there who are. Um, you know, maybe you're an atheist, maybe you're, you know, you, you've been into New Age, and and I think that everybody's sort of searching for the same thing, even though they may not know it. Um, and so it was this feeling inside of me, like, there's all these people who are there because I really... Just my whole search was really based on what happens on the other side. You know, what is life after death? What, what is heaven? And, and what's the purpose of this life? And so I felt like as I start, as, you know, as Edith was guiding me, she was sort of taking me to all of these other wonderful saints that I didn't know about before. 
um, that were just so incredible. And and some, you know, most of them not Jewish, obviously, but it op- she opened my heart to be able to look at this variety of saints and this idea that you sort of have this cheerleading section in heaven that, um, you know, when you're really in a bad space, right, um, and, and you feel like even you don't want to share your heart with somebody who's, who's here on this earth because maybe it's something very personal. Um, or maybe you feel like you sound ridiculous and you have this just variety and I'd say cheerleaders in heaven, but that's the way I, I felt about it. Like in this space, I can look up the patron of whatever it was and pray a novena um, or just find somebody that had something in common with me as an attorney um, or as a writer or somebody who had a St. Paul conversion and just find them and say, you lived my life. You know my journey. Just like you said, nothing is new under the sun, right? says the scripture. So it was sort of that same feeling like it just opened up that um, a whole new world of what I was looking for. And so I think that's what the Catholic faith is about, right? It's like the Catholic faith is like the Catholic faith is like the ocean. It's like the farther you go, the deeper you go, the more you discover. And that's really the beauty of the faith is it's just this never ending journey, except you're not alone when you found um, the uh, communion of saints. Well, you shouted out St. Paul, and since, you know, Sister Julia, you grew up as a good Protestant, and you are a daughter of St. Paul, uh, but you'd read St. Paul your whole life and heard him preached on your whole life. I mean, was it different and weird when you're like, I can talk to this guy? No, I, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't weird. I, I, you know, Melissa, you and I should really have a conversation. This is so exciting that, you know, it, it's true. It's like, um, it wasn't weird because the saints are real people. You know, You know what I'm saying? It's like... Um, I think the, the, the reservation or the block that most Protestants have is that, you know, the holy card, the plaster statue, whatever, um, and the idea of idolatry, we're not praying to that statue. Um, we're asking a friend who already made it, who's on the other side, who is really like, like, uh, like St. Paul said, you know, you've got a cloud of witnesses that are cheering you on and, and, and really want you to be where they are in heaven. So it's like, these are real people. And, um, and, yeah, and I noticed that um, for myself personally, it's like you think that you're the one sometimes making friends with this particular saint. And I think it's the reverse. I think the saint is the one who extends the invitation. The saint wants to be friends with you. Why? Because they see that you're living through the same thing that they did. And they know what works. They know that, that what, what you need as far as, as uh, you know, all, all the things that you're missing, they've already gone through it. So. I, and, and many people come in the book center and they say, well, how do you know what saints to be friends with? I said, well, I mean, you really have to read about them. You have to like uh, let them allow them to introduce themselves. Certain people you'll make the connection with and other people not at all. And then there will be one that says, you know, that person is a kindred soul. That person knows me that, you know, that particular saint really knows my life experience. And, and I think, you know, if, if Protestants, um, look at it in that way, and if they really read the letters of St. Paul, they'll see that, you know, um, if you talk about the saints that you're living with today and then they die, the connection is not broken because our life is connected with Jesus in Christ so that it's not broken. If anything, it's enhanced by, you know, um, being on the other side. So, and these people want to help us. These saints want to help us. So uh, my suggestion would be, you know, read a, read the lives of the saints. You know, get a book on the saints and just go through it and see which ones, you know, you feel a connection with and then read further. Because like, you know, like Melissa said, it's a, it's an ocean that you never finish crossing. It's, there's so much 
There's so much there. I, when I first became Catholic and first started reading these books, my biggest fear as a 13-year-old was that I would exhaust all the good books in the world. And I have to tell you now, after being in the convent 47 years, you will never live long enough to exhaust all the books that can help you and the saints that can help you. I, I find that to be so completely true. And, you know, of course, Melissa, you mentioned uh, Edith Stein. You, She essentially picked you out, right? Um, I, you know, and this brings up, I think, an, another interesting question that, you know, a lot of our members deal with as they're becoming Catholic. And, you know, they've read a lot of apologetics books and maybe a little bit of church history, but they're overwhelmed because they look on the calendar. And, you know, if you get a good saint calendar resource, there's like not a saint per day on the calendar. There's like 40 Right. And so it's going to be like this overwhelming thing. Like, who's going to be my confirmation saint? Um, I actually didn't get to pick one. Uh, it, it was part of my program. It just was not offered to me as an option. I felt so dumb afterwards. I was like, I would have picked one. Um, so I stuck with Matthew because that's my name. Um, later on, you know, the saint who has kind of tracked me around and like, pops up in every corner I turn is Elizabeth Ann Seton for some strange reason. And that's another story. Actually, it's another whole series of stories for another time. Uh, but, you know, for someone who's trying to, you know, get into this, you know, Catholic thing, maybe they're in RCIA or maybe they're thinking about becoming Catholic. Um, and they're like wrestling with this process of like, how do I pick a confirmation saint? Like, do you, you all have any advice about like how you went about picking yours? I think I can guess, Melissa, who you picked. Yes. Yeah, so, um, so of course, you know, that was not even an, an issue for me. And actually, um, being an attorney, I rallied uh, around the catechism and used the catechism to make an argument to my priest um, to receive First Holy Communion on August 9th, which is that particular. Oh, really? Year, I did not was, know that. Um, That's awesome. Yes. Which was, yes, which is some tidbit of information I usually don't share, but it was Edith Stein's feast day. Um, that particular year, and um, and I read the catechism, and I read the canon law, and I made a good argument, like a good attorney did before my priest, and I said, I can receive. I can receive because I've been living my life as a Christian, and I meet the qualifications of the catechism and such and such canon law. Um, and after I got done uh, giving my very poignant trial attorney summation, uh, Father laughed at me, and he said I would have said yes anyway. Um, so <laughs> I did receive. <laughs> so I did uh, receive First Holy Communion. Um, in a line, uh, unassuming that on a day in Mass that nobody else knew except the priest and I, and it was probably one of the most special days of my life, um, and received the remainder of my sacraments um, during uh, the Easter Vigil. But another uh, tidbit I would say to your question is my husband came into the church, my Israeli Jewish atheist husband, um, who followed me into the church, into our CIA the next year, he was actually wrestling with a saint, and um, and I helped him find his saint, which was Saint Jerome. Uh, saint Jerome um, is, was wrote the you know helped with the Vulgate and, and the Bible and the language. And since my husband was coming from Protestantism, because he came with me, um, he was very very um, one of his things that he wrestled with, like most Protestants, was you know the letter of the Word and Scripture, and had this just very reverent. Um, understanding of scripture, and I said, well, why don't you let St. Jerome carry you in, because that's how you sort of came in, and so um, they had a lot of similar characteristics, and so I helped him pick that confirmation saint for his entry into the church that next year. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I had a spiritual director one time recommend that I uh, ask him if I had any saints for like this particular issue I was, you know, going through, and it had to do with me, you know, 
having issues with my temper and like various theological debates. And he's like, you should go, you should go to St. Jerome. Uh, that was Jerome's issue too. <laughs> so um, well, I wasn't going to mention that I love my husband, but um, yes, uh, part of the personality was also with St. Jerome. So um, that is also why oh, I yeah. Jerome. Again, the saints are colorful people. They're not like just like statues yes. in the corner, but uh, sister Julia, any, any thoughts about how like, you, pick your confirmation name or any thoughts for like, you know, that you might give to someone who's wrestling with that process? Um, I, I got my, I got myself a copy of the, the lives of the saints for every day. Now, mind you, I was only 13. So, um, I, I didn't, I didn't know exactly how to go about it. So I went down and I put my name with every single name on the list alphabetically. And I, for whatever reason, I decided to get, go with Regina. I don't, I don't know if there's St. Regina, but anyhow, I, I made my first communion on January 1st because the priest wouldn't let me make it on Christmas. So I said, well, let's start the new year the right way. So it also happened to be the feast of, of Mary, Mother of God. And I said, well, the Blessed Mother seems to be taking care of my decisions and choices, even when I don't know what I'm doing. So I, I selected Regina and in, in our community, our devotion to the Blessed Mother is to the Queen of the Apostles, Regina Postalorum. So, I, I thought that was a happy connection. Um, but so she's technically my patron saint, the Blessed Mother, but I also have really, really strong connection to St. Mary Magdalene, um, really strong. So it, it's just, I, I don't know. I think, like I said, saints become friends, they stay friends, and then you, you grow and you mature and, and you, you meet other friends. And, um, but so the Blessed Mother was my choice without even knowing that she was my choice. And, but, like I said, I still have um, connections with other saints that I consider my patrons, too. So. Yeah, I mean, it's really you never run out, uh, you know, of exploring. I remember, you know, one of the things that, you know, was so fascinating to me when I was coming into the church was uh, to, to look at the feast days, find a calendar, you know, look up a feast day calendar and just see like the list of all the people and figure out what I could find out about people on, on a particular day. And even starting with like the A's. Right. You know, I, I laughed at your little alphabetical list, but like I would go through like saint directories and like go through the A's. And it was in the A's that that it clicked for me, the whole idea of saint patronages. Um, You know, why is it that like such and such is the patron of pig farmers and like such and such is the patron of like stonemason, like all the weird patronages, like people who have like gastrointestinal troubles go to this person like. Uh, and it clicked with me when I got to St. Apollonia, who is the patron saint of uh, dentists and people with dental problems. And she, um, without getting too graphic, uh, as part of her martyrdom, they like knocked her teeth out. Right. And then it clicked to me. It was like, OK, so who in the kingdom of heaven, who in the communion of saints is going to understand your dental problems better than anybody else? It's probably going to be her. Like she gets it. She understands the feeling. <laughs> right. Um and, you know, it also clicked with me, you know, in reading her story that that's really just what the cross is anyway. Like, imagine that Jesus had been, you know, born into our century and crucified or not crucified, but like, you know, died in an electric chair. And then every church from here on out would have an electric chair front and center. And like, like, it's crazy that we have like the most shameful moment seemingly shameful moment in the life of Christ as like the symbol of victory uh, for our entire faith. And yet that's what these patronages essentially are. Like, what's the worst thing that this saint ever went through? Well, that's what they're patron of. I mean, it just kind of makes sense. But I wonder, like, do you have any kind of closing thoughts uh, for people who are in the situation? Um, 
and they just can't get over that hump. Like they get some of the pieces of the Catholic understanding of of the saints, but they're like they're at a kind of a wall uh, in regard to that. Sister Julia, um, I'll go with you first on this one. Well, my thought is that everybody needs a friend, and um, as I said before, whether it's in the natural level or whether it's on the supernatural level, we need help. And the the saints are the people that are willing to help us, eager to help us. They're like just waiting, you know, for us to make that introduction, and then they'll snag it. But uh, you know, uh, who would who would like say no to a friend, you know, someone that's anxious to help them? And and I think we we have to look at the saints uh, not as you know inanimate plaster statues. These are real people. These are people who are now with God um, in heaven and. And they're anxious for us to be there too. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, I, I think I, I would say I would make that suggestion. You know, get to get to know the saints and um, find find somebody who's uh, connected to you in some way, and um, and get beyond the introduction because they are so willing uh, to help. And um, speaking of uh, Saint Apollonia, there was a, a, a the mother of one of our sisters. She would come in the book center. She was terrified of going to the dentist. So she would come in regularly and buy 20 holy cards of St. Apollonia. Then when she went to the dentist office, she would hand them out to all the patients. So it's like, you know, it's, it was her way of, of, you know, helping <laughs> that introduction. It's like, you know, are you afraid to hear here's a holy card? You know, so I think we, we just have to make that initial step. Find somebody who, um, who has been in our shoes, who understands, who, um, we can connect with. And, uh, and, and take it from there and then just have a conversation with them. Praying to a saint is the same as talking to a saint, is the same as, as, you know, as we would speak to each other. Um, that's the way I think we should communicate with the saints is in the same way, not with these and thous and with formal language, but as friends. And, um, if, if we look at prayer in that way, that, then it's not so intimidating. It's not, you know, we're, we're not taking any, anything, any, honor away from God by talking with somebody who's already on the other side and who is willing to help us. And and I think God put those people in place just as he created um, uh, us in a family. We don't, we don't, you know, come out of an egg and we just don't stay by ourselves. We don't live on islands. You know, we, we are born into a family. We have a support system. We have school. We have friends. We have, you know, we have a whole system. So, I think God wouldn't leave it like that just here. He has a whole support system for us, you know, in heaven. And and I think it would be silly not to take advantage of, of that gift as a gift. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's such a powerful image, too. I mean, the church is the mystical body of Christ, right? And it's not like Christ has two mystical bodies. One's made up of dead people and one's made up of living people, right? It's all one body. Uh, and and I think that's such a powerful image. You know, you mentioned the dentist's office. When I got my LASIK surgery done a number of years ago, the guy who did it had a St. Lucy statue in his office, and she's the patron saint of anything having to do with eyeballs because, well, we won't get into that story, but let's just say she's got a good reason. Uh, but the other thing, too, is he mentioned that, you know, he had uh, gone on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land, and his pastor had taken him to some of the major sites where Jesus healed blind people. And it just kind of reminded me that as I'm looking at, you know, St. Lucy and the Communion of Saints and tying it back to the scriptures, that all this stuff is like stuff that really happened, uh, right? And it's all connected to, to, to the, great, the great story. So um, it's not like our faith is some like theory that we have to like intellectually assent to. It's like, it's like a real thing. So um, 
Melissa, any thoughts for from you on you know somebody who can't get over that you know that last hurdle regarding their you know qualms about the Saints? Well, I think for me, um, you know, I've been very vulnerable in telling my story. I really believe that's the only way to expose what you've been through. I mean, theology is great, and I really enjoy studying it. But for me, even being, you know, an attorney, somebody who went to school for a long time, really at the end of the day, for me, it was about my heart. It wasn't about theology for me. It was about my heart. Um, you know, and someone who, uh, you know, and I've shared this with the Coming Home Network, someone who's a trauma survivor, someone who has left. Um, you know, my best friend died. I shared that with, with you all as well, which was my grandmother. You know, I wanted to know that there was a connection on the other side. And I do think, you know, resources are great. Of course, counseling is, is needed and, and all the other great resources we have in the world of psychology, which I truly believe in. But I think in the spiritual realm, there are all these resources that people just don't know about. And, and when I visualize as a creative, what that looks like um, from my heart, you know, I almost imagine I'm reaching out my hand and there's a hand that's reaching back and pulling me out of that very, you know, deep water um, that I was in for a very long time. That as much as I reached out to my grandmother um, and asked for her prayers, because I'm not praying to her, I'm asking her to pray for me, um, is the same way that I reached out to the saints and said, help me, help me, pray for me. Um, the same way that was a friend. So for anybody who's really, you know, looking at it from a very like dense theological perspective and, and really not willing to kind of look at it, um, in a more human factor, because we're not robots, right? We're human. Um, to say, you know, if you're struggling, keep your mind open because there are so many resources all around you, um, in the saints that just expose me to help in my healing journey, in my trauma journey. Um, and knowing that I wasn't alone here on the earth, especially now with what's gone on in the last couple of years, the saints have been an integral part of my journey. And I really hope by, you know, being vulnerable and transparent and sharing, you know, my story that other people will look at that and say, you know, I'm going to give that a second look. I'm going to reach out to a friend. And that's really what it's about. Yeah, it's, you know, and the, and the, the appeal that I would tack on to that, you know, um, is that so many people watching this are connected with us at the Call Me Home Network. And one of the ways they got connected with us is they watched the story of somebody um, who shared how they became Catholic. And there was something in the story that they watched that sounded exactly like their story. Right. Well, the community of saints is loaded <laughs> with people like that. It's just loaded with people like that. Um, and they're from every country, uh, from every century. Uh, from every possible background and worldview, uh, philosophy, profession, um, you know, people who are parents, people who are widows and widowers, people who are orphans, you know, people who were, you know, everything, you know, and you mentioned, you know, it's controversial that Edith Stein was a Jew who became a Christian. Well, the deck was pretty stacked that way from the beginning, like all 12, all 12 of the first, you know, inner circle of Jesus, right? Jewish converts uh, to him. So there's, there's, there's just loads and loads and loads. Man, this is great stuff. I am, uh, I'm so glad that both of you said yes to this, uh, this morning. And before I let you go, um, Melissa and Sister Julie, I wonder if there's anything that you want to steer towards, uh, steer people towards, uh, that you're working on that people can find out more info about. Uh, Melissa, I know you've been doing a whole bunch of projects. Not all of them are like yet ready for public consumption, but, um, Yes, yeah, so I freelance write. Um, we just started um, a great um, uh, online writing community called missiodaycatholic.org. It is wonderful. You have your theologians. You have your uh, your sort of lifestyle authors. I consider myself in terms of dealing with real world issues. 
Um, so you can find me on missyodaycatholic.org. You can also find me on Catholic Mom. Um, and I write about all my fun and, and interesting uh, life journeys. And I have a book uh, in the works on my conversion story, uh, the raw version, um, to share really with the world um, what my real, you know, what my real story was to really encourage people uh, who have been through suffering, which is sort of my mission um, in finding God in the dark. Very cool. And uh, we got links to those. Also, Sister Julia Mary, since you're a daughter of St. Paul, I know you have like roughly 5 million websites and social media accounts connected with your order. So what are the <laughs> highlights for us? Um, okay. Uh, well, there, I, I don't have our particular website. Uh, I, I think it's uh, paulinestore.org if you're um, interested in, in the books. I do have a, a book here. Of course I do, right? Um, this one here. In Cello et in Terra. And the reason I, I brought it along as moral support was it's, it's 365 days with the saints. And, um, I used to think that I knew almost every saint for every day. And then we came out with a book that had all the most recent ones, um, canonized by the last three popes. So I, they, they were people that I had never heard of. So, and I'm always interested in making new friends. So I mean, that book was, it was really excellent. And then um, I'm also pretty active on, on my Instagram account, which is SR Julia. And I'll put like the saint of the day, the, the newest Catholic books, that kind of thing. So what inspires me? So <laughs> Cool. Well, hopefully we got some graphics that steer people that direction. If not, check the show notes for this episode and uh, you can click on over and check out the great work, especially at Catholic Mom and through the Pauline Sisters and their store. And uh, again, there's no th nothing more fun than following the Pauline sisters on Instagram and Twitter, I got to say. So, uh, Sister Julia, uh, Melissa, thank you so much. Uh, I encourage people to go check out chnetwork.org. That's our main website uh, with uh, all of our resources, including uh, Melissa's Journey Home episode and written story and uh, much more episodes of CH Network Presents. And of course, if you're looking for community, uh, check us out, community.chnetwork.org. Uh, we got a great uh, social network. It's closed. It's uh, not connected to any other social networks. It's just a safe spot for people to uh, talk through the stuff that they're going through on their journeys. So thank you so much, ladies. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.